Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Two, just before we get to John 10, uh, one, one earlier. Oh, okay, wow. I hope I gave you the right thing. Go to slide number one, the very first one. Okay. Down one. That's one. Number two, next one. Yes, number two. So this we did in 2014. It was our image for hearing God's voice. Is there anyone here that remembers this? Anyone? Do you remember the picture? Three, four this morning, two, three people. Um, our church have grown with a lot of new people. There was not a lot of people that can remember this. The next year we did this. It was also hearing God's voice. Uh, and During that time, God was really training us up as a congregation. The very next slide, the one that says throwback 2015. Who remembers this one? Hearing God's voice. That's a time when Brown... Um, uh, committed to come to church and become a part of his family. And now we, this year we've got the, the headphones. You'll see it all around. But we are on a journey, amen? God is moving and growing us. John 10 verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. There's a few important things in this passage, just giving us some background on, on the fact that God speaks. And it's very important for us to, to get this before we go to um, our very specific three points to discover, is this God or not? We have to agree and we have to see that God is a God that speaks. He's, the sheep hear his voice and he calls, he speaks. Not only does he speak, but those who love him and follow him, his sheep, they are able to hear. They can hear his voice. And being able to hear his voice, they then start to recognize voices that that sounds different and then they say no that voice i will not follow oh this is your voice lord let me follow after what's also interesting about this scripture if you if you if you look at the heart or the way the the nature of the communication of a shepherd is that he walks ahead of the sheep there's times when he goes to fetch them he'll fetch one leave 99 in a safe place, get one if, if, if they're lost. But what he wants to do is he wants to walk ahead and then he wants to call, inviting them to follow after him. He's not behind them with, with some sort of punishment, hitting them forward, shouting at them, buzzing them to shock them. No, he's leading and calling. And those who can hear them then can follow after him. It's, it's the heart of a shepherd. He communicates with great love. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And there's something we can take from this before we head into tonight's sermon is, in your life, what you need to know is that you are a multidimensional person. God, is, God has created you with many skills. There's many things you can do maybe. There's many different roads in life that you could take. At this moment, I'm a qualified biokineticist. I had a medical practice. I maybe could go into sports coaching if I want to. I, I could be a, pa a pastor. Which way? You know, if we follow after God, is a way in which we pick up that is lighting up a path for us. 
through his word, through his leading. And so for the Christian that can hear God's voice, every, every open door is not the one we walk through. No, Lord, where are you leading? Where's the light? So that you can guide my feet well. And that's what we want to do tonight. Grow in the ability to sense the lamp on the road and follow in the right direction. Just one or two terms to, for, for you guys that want to impress someone, maybe you want to phone your opa, tell him something. Here we are. There's two ways to refer to the communication of God. The one is the Logos, the one is Rhema. And Logos refers to the Bible. The uh, Logos word, can I have your Bible? Um, this year is the Logos word of God. It will not change. I mean, you can, you can choose a scripture and read it every day. I promise you it will stay the same. Because the Logos word will never change. It's perfect in every way, ordained by God. And it is, it is incredible that God has his whole heart his vision, his love, and everything about him and how he feels about you in here. It never changes. It's the Logos word of God. And then you also get the Rhema word, which means a spoken word. Rhema literally means an utterance. Something is said in a way that it can be heard. Now, the Rhema word of God can be heard in the, in the heart of man. You can hear it. In a dream, you can sometimes through emotions, but the fact is that God has a logos which is set in stone, and then the rhema that moves around it, guiding you to find that path, uh, that lamp that lights the path so that you can walk in it. I'm going to almost give you a picture in your mind to take home. If you, if you think of the logos word, it's like a riverbank, like a massive riverbank. And as you get to know the Bible more, if, as you spend time in the Bible, you start to get a feel of the heart of God. It, it, it becomes, it's like you understand, oh, that sounds like God. As you read more and more of the Bible, and in your heart, you are almost building the walls of the river. And that's very important because the rhema word can only flow within the banks of the Logos. God will never contradict himself to a prophet on a mountain, to a prophet in town. Werner or yourself. The rhema word must always flow with the established known word of God, the Logos. But between those two, we find the voice of God speaking into our lives, which, which road to take. We see in, in 1 John 4 verse 1, Scripture says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. What are spirits? It's voices we hear could be the Holy Spirit, could be an angelic utterance, angels can speak, can also be evil spirits, they communicate with you, they help you to be afraid, they help you to doubt God, they help you to be bitter, they, they speak to you and give you thoughts and help you to say it, I don't like that person, I will never forgive that person, who, who communicated that to you? Right? Scripture says, do not believe every spirit. Do not say everything you hear. Do not take it because it might not be of God. And there's a way that we can test the spirit or the communication we receive to see whether they are from God. All right? And that's what we are busy with tonight. And so let's head into it. Test number one is the Logos test, is, is the Bible test, as simple as that. Test number one, I'm going to give you three tests for tonight for hearing the word and deciding, hey, Lord, is this you? If this is a question you often ask yourself, Lord, is, is this you speaking with me? Is this you, God? Was this me? Was this the enemy? Then I hope that by tonight you would be able to better discern these voices or these emotions you are experiencing to know whether it is God or not. Galatians 1 verse 9 says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. At that time, there was many people walking around saying, hey, uh, if you are circumcised, 
God loves you more. Uh, uh, if you only eat in this way, wash your hands in this way, he loves you more. Hey, if you have respect for this or that day, he loves you more. And that is not what the gospel said. The gospel said Jesus Christ came to live and die for you in your place. And God is holy and fully in love with you. And from that place, you live for him flat out, all right? And Paul is responding to it. And he said, hey, if there's anyone that comes and preaches a different gospel than the one you have heard, do not listen. Press them away. Now that's very important for us, especially in this church, because we don't want a Bible-believing pastor in this church. We want to be a Bible-believing church. My heart is for everyone to grow in understanding the Bible, for everyone to open it and read it and discover it, and for everyone to be able to, to, to start to discern, hey, is this, is this the Word of God or not? All right? Because God has given you the Holy Spirit as he's given me the Holy Spirit, to grow, to get to know his word and get to know his voice and obey. Amen? Isn't that true? Now, there's two ways the Bible gives us these riverbanks, which the Logos, in a way, help us to, to get a framework to understand the voice of God. And let me just say this. If you really want to know the rhema word, if you want to be able to hear God's voice, you really have to know your Bible. You really have to know your Bible because the more you know it, the more you understand how, who he is, how he works, how he loves. And so when you get a specific leading in your heart or, or in a dream, you immediately know, hey, is this, is this God? Is this flowing with him? Now, there's two ways in which the Bible helps us. Um, Mark 12, oh, let's do Exodus 20, 15 first. The Bible, for example, makes statements like this, you shall not steal. That's a very direct um, black on white, hey, guys, don't steal. What this means is that there's times where the Bible very specifically helps us. So whether this is before Jesus came, after Jesus came, before computers, it's quite easy to understand. Don't steal, all right? Let's say, for example, you, you and your friend, uh, you have a company, you want to help someone, you want to help some real poor people, but in order to help them, you have to steal just a little bit from some very rich people, like Robin Hood, right? And you're like praying about it, and you're like praying and praying, and you guys feel, no, but we need to help these people. You know, they, they don't have anything, and we're only taking this, this. They won't even know, man. So if you know the Logos, you'll know that God will have a way to provide for the poor without leading you through sin to do it. So maybe you just take your own money and give it to the person that needs it. And that's when the Bible explicitly helps us. It's, it's almost like this very clear brick in the side of a wall of the river. No, that cannot be God. He cannot lead me to, 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 to put shame on his name. Whatever people found out, I call myself a Christian. It will bring shame on God. It's not him that, that spoke right there. But then we get scriptures like this. The second commandment is this. This is Jesus answering a question. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, that's not an explicit command. Like, it is explicit. You should love your neighbor. But you don't know, you know, what does that mean? Like, some people love it when you, I don't know, give them a foot massage. Other people hate it. <laughs> okay, so, so it's, it's, it's more general. And, and the way I'd like to describe this, it's almost like God gives us his posture towards something. I want you to go and love your neighbor. And now you get it, maybe you, you feel something and you wonder, hey, is this God speaking to me? And as you think about it and as you speak to a friend, you realize that this might come across as not loving someone. And then you just put that one in the fridge for now. Like, no, no, Lord, I, I don't think that's you. Because this would mean that my actions would prove frustration or not having the time to, to sit down and speak. It, it'll show many things, but not love, right? So sometimes scripture gives us a posture. That's a little bit harder, but the Holy Spirit is here to help us. Amen?
just before we finish off test number one. Tonight's not going to be long. When I, 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 I have a diary, and, and for myself personally, I read the Bible and I make notes. I write the scripture down, and, I, and, I, and I, what I think about it, I write. And the one year, my wife gave me a book with this scripture on there, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. She's just printed it out and made it nice for me. It says, your words were found, and I ate them. It's the prophet that speaks about his love for God's word. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Do you really want to hear the soft, beautiful voice of God? You have to fall in love with the Bible. You have to. And you know, the Holy Spirit can help you with this. You can create appetite for God's word so that you can say this. Pray it in faith. Say, Lord, I want to hold on to your words. I want to I make it a joy and the delight of my heart. As you press into the Bible and love it, you'll hear more clearly his leadings along the way. Because often they, they play up against scriptures you read and those you remember. Isn't that true? So the first test, is this you, Lord? It is the Bible. Test number one. Um, I told this story back in 2014 and 15. I know also Brown has mentioned it again, but I'll tell it again. So one man goes to a pastor. He's a friend of mine, this pastor, that he knows the other pastors happen to in, the, in the, another church in town. And uh, one, of the, one of the people in church comes to the pastor and says, Pastor, I need you to pray for me for a blessing because I want to divorce my wife, because God is leading me to it, because she cannot support me in the way my secretary can. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to obey God. I'm going to be obedient to her, and I'm going to divorce my wife, marry my secretary, because, you know, I have a calling on my life. I don't have time to waste, and I'm not going to sit around, and, you know, and God has spoken, so I want you to pray for me. And so the pastor says, 100%, let me, let me pray with you. He says, just close your eyes. And as he closes his eyes, he says, Lord, I want to divorce my wife. And he snorts it. And the man, he jumped up and said, what's going on with you? What, what, what's wrong with your wife? And he says, well, you know, let me, let, let me close my eyes. And as he closes his eyes, he says, Lord, I want to divorce my wife. And God this and God said that. <laughs> Test number one, the Bible. Oh, you love your wife. You build into her until you can support one another. You love her until she becomes the one. You married her. You made the promise. Covenant. So you love through the walls. You do whatever you have to do until one day you make it. Amen? Let me just say this, if you have been uh, a, a part, uh, if, you, if you're a son of parents that got divorced, if, or if you had unfortunately to go through that yourself, let me just tell you, God knows how to gather the pieces, put, the, put them back together. I just want to say that. Amen? He knows how to do it. His blood knows how to work his way through a broken heart. And that includes you. You are not disqualified if you are divorced, if you have to, if you were traumatized by something like that, he can... Come and get you. The second test is the church. Now, I'm not talking about the building. There's no writing against the walls. You'll find nothing here. I am talking about the people in the church. Okay. The second test, hey, Lord, is this you speaking with me? Or is it you that's telling me to, you know, quit my job and sell everything I have and, and, and start walking to Alice Ras? Is that you, Lord? Just help me not to walk past Evander because I don't want to get into trouble, you know. <laughs> No. What if we hear absurd leadings? What if, what if we hear something like, take your child out of the school or quit your studies and you're like, oh, and you're not sure because we hear these kind of things. What do you do? Where do you go? After, after eating God's word and loving it, and, and sometimes you sense, you don't always at that moment have a clear grasp, but you start to sense, you know, you know, some of the older people, now, 
Do you guys remember, who remember those old TVs? And then you, you still had to turn a button to get them on a channel. Yes. And then, and then, then there's someone, there's a bird or a cat or something that gets on the antenna. And then you like watching a goalie or something on television. And the next moment, you have this, this white on the screen, like, oh, my. And then we used to watch television like that, because at uh, th that time, no, no one could fix it. So you like, television through the snow. And sometimes when you sense God speaking, it's like you, you feel that snow. It's like, just, who's experienced that before? There's something here that does not seem right. And it's like, I can't see in Scripture that it's wrong, but I don't feel the Holy Spirit releasing me. It's a good time to, 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 get, to get together with friends, people that loves the Lord, that knows the Bible. Your small group is obviously a great place. This is Solomon writing in Proverbs, Proverbs 11, the smartest man to ever live says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but an abundance of counselors, there is safety. If you have weak or bad counselors, you are in trouble. Assumed here is godly counsel. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. I want to give you an example out of the New Testament in, in Acts. With Afrikaans people, that's Handelinger. In chapter 15, it says, Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Right? And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, there was a fight. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. What did they do when they were unsure? They sought out the help of God. They went to the people of God and asked them, what should we do in this situation? Please counsel, please help me. I'm not sure, should I go left? Should I go right? I'm not sure if my wife and I should make this decision. And we're not sure if we should make that decision. Sometimes you need practical help from someone that's been around the block. Sometimes it's spiritual help from someone that knows the Holy Spirit and the Bible very good to help you. But sometimes we don't like this test. We don't like this point here. Especially us Afrikaners. Because you know what? No one tells us what to do. Yay, say Nifamani. You don't know me. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. And you see, the Holy Spirit needs to come and help us so that we quickly bump our heads many times. And then we say, I don't know everything. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to be humble. Now, the reason we don't like this, I'll give you three reasons why you don't sit around with friends and submit your heart to them and ask them to help you. There's three reasons. The first one might be because you, you knew in the faith, you knew in God, or you, you may be still seeking a relationship with Jesus, so you just don't know this. But when you discover it, it's sweet. You're like, oh my, I don't, I don't know. It's so amazing that there are people to help me. Sometimes you just don't know, all right? But sometimes, us believers, we are full of pride, and we just think, I will do what I want to do, and it's none of your business. Who are you to tell me? Sometimes such ungodliness rules in our hearts. We'd rather do it alone. We hear this term in the world, sometimes as a compliment. That man, he's a self-made man. In the kingdom, there's no self-made man. There's only sinners. And one man paid for all of them. Isn't that true? And the last reason why we don't like this going and asking help, like really, is because, you know, actually, you know, they're going to tell you to do the right thing and you don't want to do it. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. 
I'm not going to tell my small group about this thing because if I tell them, they're going to get me out of trouble and I want to get into trouble right now. That's what I want to do. I'm a little bit sarcastic, but that, that's the irony of it. We, we send something here and, and, and you know, it's like, a, it's, like it's just there. I just want it. And maybe it's spending a lot of money that you should not spend. Maybe it's, you know, just at this moment, Dating that person that you should not date, you know, maybe, I don't know what it is, all right? But you know, if you tell anyone that really loves you about this, they're going to tell you, take back your hand, you're about to get into trouble, but you see, you want to. And you know, the truth about me, I want to. Because God must clean us of this, isn't it true? But he loves you enough so that he will allow you to learn. But you don't have to learn the lessons and the stuff that Hanu and I have been through. If we've been hurt by it, we can help you. A small group leader can help you. We are here for you. Amen? The voice of God, you need to know the Bible, the Logos, those that river banks where his voice flow in. And sometimes it's not clear, you know, should I, should I, should I go right or left? Get the help in. Let people pray with you. Let them help you. Romans 12 verse 4 says, As in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, and then the gifts goes on. God is, God is very intentional about this, and, and you'll pick this up if you think about it, if you look back in your life. He leads you to dead ends where only other people can help you over. Because that's just who he is and how he works. It's literally who he is. Think about it. God the Father rules from heaven, the sun comes down to the earth. The Father doesn't come down. He doesn't do anything, everything. In one way he does it because it's three in one. But, 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 but just go with our idea. He sends the Son. He speaks. He says, I'm pleased with you. You do what you are called to do, my Son, and I am pleased with you. The Son finishes His job. The Spirit comes down. The, the Son doesn't stay and do everything. He goes back to the Father. He rests at His right hand. The Spirit comes and He shows people their sin and the forgiveness in Jesus. And every time a sinner is forgiven, the whole host of heaven, all the angels, they clap their hands and say, well done, Holy Spirit, you did it. You spoke the truth like you always did, do, and there's another heart that turned. And He brings who He is into us. He will frustrate you until you get to that person. He will keep you where you are at until you ask your small group leader, is it okay tonight if I stay afterwards and we can have just a coffee? Because that's who he is. He will not allow you to do it alone because you are part of a body. One is a hand, one is the elbow. And sometimes the elbow must move so that the hand can get where it's reaching towards. Isn't that true? The church. The first test is the Bible or the Logos, it's the, those walls of the, of the river. And then it's the church. They specifically help us a lot, our friends. You can say they're our brothers, test number two, the brothers, the, the body, those who loves me. They help me, especially when it's not specific. You know, the Bible will never tell you you need to buy a Ford Ranger or Toyota Highlight. You won't find it there, all right? But what I've heard is many times where people that did business pray together and God said, don't do business with those people. There's nothing wrong with doing business, but with the leading is specific and later on they find out that they are crooks. Because you see, the Holy Spirit helps the believer. He loves the believer. He loves to lead us as we are teaching, as we have companies, as we do our work as therapists or being waiters or engineers. doesn't matter what we do. He wants to be right there with a rhema word helping us. 
Isn't that amazing? That you are never alone. God does not wait here the whole week. And like, man, I can't wait for them to come back. I really miss, I really miss Marius, but he's at work. But someday he'll be back at church. No, he goes with whispers in your ear to love you. That's incredible. And then the last one for tonight, I always make you mad with this one. I'm going to do it again. Is the shape test. And the idea of the shape test is, this is the scripture that Bianca read tonight. The shape test you actually find in Psalms 139, it is God who shaped you. He took his hand and put it on you as he was making you. Like God knew he was making me with large ears. I mean, he just knew, he just knew it. He, everything external and internal. I mean, the number of hairs on your head. Come on. Come on. Who keeps score of that? Where is the place in heaven where you have all the hairs of everyone on earth? I mean, it, it's, inc- it's crazy. There must be a crazy calculator up there, but... That's our God. I mean, he is that interested. Don't think that for a moment you have a thought that breaks your heart and he does not know. He doesn't miss it. He's your shaper. I mean, he shaped you. It says in Psalm 139, even before you were made in secret, he knew you. That's amazing. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The pastor, no. No, no, no. We, all of us. One or two very important things here. There is works prepared for you. Listen up, everyone. There is works not prepared for you. For some of you, we are glad that God has not ordained you to sing in front of all of us. We love that. Okay. I have a friend who always says, I wish I can sing. I wish I can. And I always give the same answer. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You wish you can sing. But God has shaped you. Just remember that. There's things you can do, and because you don't sing, you have a capacity to use on what you can do. Get busy discovering that. There's works prepared for you, and there's works not prepared for you. And very important, there's times where you will be required to serve, but you don't like it, but you have to do it. God is working on the inner beauty of your heart, patience, kindness, endurance, all right? You know, um, I like, always joke about the people that goes, um, you know, uh, it's just the shape, the shape is just great to use music as an example. You know, the one guy says, some of us are prison singers. We're always a bar behind and we never have the right key. (laughs) So, for example, if I would hear one morning that God is calling me to quit my job as a pastor, I'm now going to be, me as an example, a worship leader, very psyched up, you know, because I envision myself like, yeah. And I, and I call a few friends together, maybe some of the leaders of his church, uh, and then I tell them this great rhema word that I heard from God. They would say, you are crazy. <laughs> you are crazy because God has called you to do something different. Now, this is not sin, being up here serving God. But that is not what I am called to do. And that's the hardest when we hear these leadings. And it's not bad things, but it's not accurate. It's inaccurate because you're not shaped for that. Alvin, you just stand up for a moment. Alvin can get many dreams about being a springbok lock, all right? <laughs> Alvin 
I'm not shaped for that because I'm too short. So I made Sasol look, okay? But you're shorter than me. That's not God. That's not God. Maybe as a young man, maybe Springbok scrum off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can do that all week. But sometimes physically, God has just not shaped you to do something. You know, you know those um, American idols, wooden spoons. If they only had friends, they only had people to say, hey, you, you, you got many talents, but, you know, they're going to make a fool of you on national television. And sometimes we do that to ourselves. I don't mean to go into like comedy or something, but sometimes we waste so much time wanting to reshape what God has shaped. And Brown, Brown often says, sometimes when someone tells us, I don't think you should do it, you're not gifted for that, then we want to prove that person wrong. And then we take so much time, so much effort to reshape ourselves, and it's not who we are. Now, sometimes you have to push through, get into the Word, and let your friends help you to tell you, okay, you need to push through. If, for example, one of our worship leaders, Maria, comes to me and he says, I don't want to be in the worship team anymore because I had a fight with that other person. I tell him, push through. The Bible says you go to that person. You say, hey, I don't know how to word this, but I have an issue with you. Yeah, that's going to be like. Speak about it. Cry about it. Forgive one another love and get back to what you are called to do, <laughs> all right? Sometimes your friends need to push you through. Other times they need to save you time and effort. Let's just read there from verse 15, Ephesians 4 verse 15. It says, rather speaking the truth in love. It speaks about the body growing, right? And not, and not being blown from one like a wind, like a wave being blown to the left and to the, to the right. And then it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. For whom the whole body joined and held together, every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body to grow. Number one. When it comes to hearing the voice of God with your shape, speaking the truth in love will be required from those around you. Number two, after hearing the truth, we are to grow up. We are to grow up. Because maybe the opposite is true for you. Maybe, maybe you know, uh, Estelle walks past you, you're singing, and she catches you after church, church and she says, listen, you, we need to train you to be a worship leader, but you're not there. You will grow up. We will take you, help you, lead you. And when we, as we are all growing in this place, we each find our place. And each part is working properly. Isn't that amazing? It makes the body to grow, that it builds itself up in love. What Shofar Sekunda needs is not superstars on the stage. What Shofar Sekunda needs is not a superstar pastor. What Shofar Sekunda need is a body that is working properly. Where do you fit? What is he saying to you? Last test for tonight is the shape test. You know what is great when you get this? When you, when you get this in your, in your heart, you will be delivered of a few things that keeps you awake at night. Number one, jealousy, comparison, strife, being discontent because you're constantly looking at who you are, comparing it with another person. You have your own shape. You have your own spiritual shape. Godliness with contentment is great game. Once you grab hold of who he has made you to be, you lay down all these other distractions and you start to get to work. What he's leading you to do. Hearing God's voice, part one, the Bible. Remember those walls of, of the river so that the water can flow great. The church the shape test. Who has God made you to be? And you know what? Sometimes 
someone, some people around you need to answer the question. Do this. Do this. If you're in a small group, most of you are. If you're not, please join one. Ask three people in your small group. Hey, I'm not trying to, to I'm not doing this to want to brag or something. Okay, Help me. What am I good at? What has God shaped me to do? And see what comes back. God has already placed people around you. Let's stand up tonight in this place and, and let's respond. you are standing, I want to ask you, take a deep breath. If you want to, just close your eyes so that there's no distractions entering your heart. I want to ask you, what is God whispering to you? The shepherd that walks ahead, and then he gently calls out, I'm moving left, come with me. What is he saying to you tonight? There's one lie I want to expose tonight. And this is maybe one of the greatest lies because this is the place where the voice of God gets cut off for many people. We have a scripture on there, John 6 verse 37. I want you to listen very carefully to the words of Jesus. He says, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. And who Ever, say whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Do you know that includes you? Whoever includes every person, including what they have done in their life. This is the start of great lies from the enemy often is that we believe we cannot even come to him because we will never be accepted. So we are cut off from God altogether. But tonight, I, I just want to tell you, and I, I don't know how to say it, except to say, look at the words of the one who paid for your sins himself. Maybe if a human has to pay for you because you messed up, they'll say something, but I never want to do business with you, you again. I never want to see you again. But the one that paid for your sins says the following, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Isn't that amazing? I want you to know that He loves you with an everlasting love. And He's yearning for you. I want you to take that tonight, to believe it. To believe it tonight. Lord, I want to thank you that you are in this place. Holy Spirit, working on hearts. Tonight is not about shofar. It's not about the band. It's not about Werner. It's about the Holy Spirit that loves these people. Please do your work in this place. Precious Holy Spirit, we respect you. We respect what you want to do. And thank you for using us. I want to make one call of action tonight. If you or new around here or visiting. We, we do these to just get movement in our faith. If, if you want to recommit to really opening your ears to the voice of God, to be aware of the God that speaks, that wants to lead you out, if you really, I don't know what you want to do practically, but start tonight and say, I want to hear His voice. I, I'm, this, is, this is important for me. This is priority. I want to silence some other voices and I want you to quickly step out from where you are. Just come to the front and you say that to God. You say, Lord, as I'm stepping out, I'm willing to make the adjustments needed to hear your voice and respond to it. One, two, three, if that's you, respond. Don't be afraid. Have faith in this house tonight, all right? If that's you, you respond. No one's going to pray with you. This is you and God. 
take your time, pray, and say to Him how precious His voice is to you. that you are the God that speaks and in this church we celebrate you for that Lord we even have an expectation that when we are together as a group you speak with us corporately but you also speak with us in our homes we respect you for that Lord and we open our ears as a congregation Lord in the name of Jesus Amen Amen I want you to do one thing before we go I want you to sit down and ask the person next to you what can I pray for you for this week? What can I, is there anything I can cover you in in prayer? All right, just ask him. doesn't need to be a long conversation. What can I pray for you? If you're alone, you can move around, maybe find someone.
once you are done speaking or praying. You are dismissed, everyone. See you at starting point on Wednesday, some of you. The rest of you, we'll see you next week for part two of hearing the voice of God. God bless you.